Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We're in class number 61. Today's class will be given for Rafua Shlema Rabbi Michael Haber. Hashem should send him a speedy recovery. Menachem ben Hana. Last week we spoke about Ayin Tova. How Ayin Tova is the ability to see the good in the people around us. Which we, we said is an outcome of savlanut, of the patience to be able to weed out some of the things that block our ability to see the good in others. Today we're going to be speaking about a different kind of Ayin Tova. A Ayin Tova that asks us to see the good in the Creator who made us. A Ayin Tova that's able to, to see past the challenges and difficulties of life. And to see the qualities and the kindness of the Creator in our daily lives. <clears throat> the Gemara says in Masechet Sota, Tov Ayin Hu Yevorach. It's a Pasuk in Mishle. Tov Ayin, a person who has a good eye, he will be blessed. Says the Gemara, you can also read it, not only he will be blessed, but he is the one that deserves to make a beracha. We give him, when we have a koshel beracha, to bless Hashem, he's the one that's fitting to make that beracha. Because he is the one who sees the goodness in Hashem's blessings. And therefore, it's worthy for someone like that to make the beracha. In life, in this olam, in this world that we live in, in Hebrew we say world is olam, the word olam comes from the word hidden. Because in this world, the good is often hidden in the perception of bad. At first glance, if you don't look so well, if you don't have the patience, you will see a lot of bad out there. But of course, as we know, there's so much good in our lives. The word olam means we live in a world where the good is often hiding. And we must choose for ourselves what type of life we want to lead. We have what we call a Yetzer Hara and a Yetzer Hatov. They're like two drivers that we must choose which car we will want to get into in our lives. There are only two choices. The Yetzer Hatov is a driver that leads you to see all the gifts and all the beauty that you have in life. The Yetzer Hara will convince you that everything around you is falling apart. 
And it doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter how much success you have. The Yetzirah's job is to drive you into a place where you feel that you have almost nothing. I saw a story of a person who got into a car and he noticed something very strange about this car that it had two steering wheels. The driver is using a steering wheel and right next to him there's another steering wheel. Couldn't understand why the car has two steering wheels. So of course he asked the man and the man told him, I have a bunch of children and they're very rowdy. And I can't control them. I get into the car and they're jumping all over me. They want to steer the car. So I decided the best thing to do is to make another steering wheel. Of course, it's not connected to anything. But they could sit steering the car, or at least they think they're steering the car. But it's just an imagination. It's really going nowhere. Life is like a car that's moving. The movement is not really us. Hashem gave us life and the ability to move. But where we steer the car and who we get into the car with is going to decide in a very big way where we're headed. The Yetzer Hatov has the right steering wheel. He will lead you to every good place in your life. You will see every blessing in your life. You will appreciate every blessing in your life. But if you take the wrong driver, the Yetzahara has a steering wheel that's not connected to reality. It's connected to nothing. It's not your real life. So he'll just steer you left and right to things that aren't even the reality. And he will make sure that you're miserable and won't stop till you get there because that's his job. It's very critical that we choose the right driver in our lives. Who are we going to follow? The Yetzir HaTov will tell you that when you have a cup that's half full and half empty, you should pay attention to the part that's full and enjoy it and take pleasure in it. The Yetzirah will always tell you, look at what you're lacking. You're missing something. You're missing so much. Aren't you miserable? Don't you deserve more? Hacham is a wise person. The word Hacham, some explain, Hatsi kos mele'ah, which means a wise person always knows how to focus on what's full, not what's empty. That is an ayin tova. Do you see your cup half full or half empty? It all depends on who is your driver. If your driver is the Yetzir HaTov, he will lead you with chokhmah to the good that you have. And if your driver is the Yetzirah, he will always lead you into the things that you're lacking. And sometimes, perhaps the only reason why you're seeing an empty cup or empty part of the cup 
is because your cup may just be too big. It's too large. That's why it's not being full. If you would take a smaller cup and fill up what you have, you'll see it's up to the top. The idea is that sometimes our wants and what we think we need is so big that it can never be full enough. So it's not so much that we're missing something, is that our expectations are so large, there's never enough to fulfill it. And if you think that's an exaggerated type of concept, come on, can there be a person that has such a big cup that no matter how much you put in it, it feels empty? Is that real? So I'm going to give you an example. Today is Rosh Chodesh Adar, and we're getting into the Purim spirit. And there's no better person to study on this subject than our enemy Haman. Haman, if you looked at his success in this physical world, you would see something that is unimaginable. All of us want to succeed in this world in every way possible, whether it's wealth, whether it's health, whether it's family, whether it's power, whether it's respect, all the things that we would consider a success. Haman also wanted, he's no different than us. The difference between him and us is that he achieved success on such a high level that I think it's not even possible for us to imagine that we would get there. We would never have such a cup like he had. Wealth, he was one of the wealthiest men in the world. He was so wealthy, he was able to even convince with his wealth the king. That's how wealthy he was. Power, he had full power. He had the ring of the king. Any decree that he would want, he could do it. The king of Hashverosh was not a king over one country. Basically, the entire world was under his rule. And Haman had the power. Honor, respect. You know, me and you, we would be happy. If people just listened to us, we would feel respect. If people would say hello to us with a smile, we would feel great. Haman didn't just have people saying hello to him didn't have them just stand up for him and not enough to kiss his hand. Every person on the planet that would see Haman, there was a decree in government that they had to bow down in front of him. Could you imagine walking the streets and each person that would see you would regular bow down to your feet? What, what amazing, not one person, not two, not three, not Sunday, Monday, every day, every person. I'm not sure what would become of our head. But that's the, that's the life that Haman led. Wealth, power, kavod, but on the highest level imaginable. And it's so shocking when you read the words of the Megillah, when it says that Haman sat down with his family and he tells them about how successful of a man he is, like it says, it kevod ashro. He told them how much money, how much wealth, how much honor 
Verov Banav, how he's successful in family, how many children that he had. Ve'et kol asher gidelo hamelech, how much greatness the king gave him. Ve'asher nise'o, what he raised him above all the other ministers. The highest life imaginable. Vayomer Haman, and Haman said, and by the way, when Esther, the queen, wanted to invite someone with the king, she could only think of me. Ki'im oti. And not only tonight, gamle mahar, and tomorrow, I'm also going to be called. It means me and the king, we're tight. We're right there. I'm right, I'm right behind them. And then he says the most shocking words. Anybody who's having any issue in life and anything, if I gave you all of that, you'd say, wow, that's a life. I'm missing some of that. And yet this man says, Vekolze, and everything that I have, all of this, shoveli, all of this is not worth anything to me. Whenever I see that Mordechai, that man never bows to me. So one man doesn't bow to you, but you have every human on the planet bowing to you. How bad could that be? So one man doesn't do it. We would say, Haman, come on, you're ridiculous. Because one person is not bowing to you. So all of this is not worth it. All your money, all your children, all your life, all your power, all your cover. All of it's not worth it because one person doesn't bow down to you. I mean, look at me. Not one person bows to me. We're okay. Haman, you can't handle it. One person is not bowing to you. But that's the nature of the Yetzir Hara driver. You have to know that. The driver called the Yetzir Hara, it doesn't matter what you have. He will either make sure you only see bad or he'll make your cup so big that you can never fill it. Even Haman had a bigger cup than he could have filled. He had everything that he could have imagined and what he couldn't have imagined, and yet, it's not worth anything. So you got to know which driver to choose. Are you going to choose your life to see the part that's full, or are you going to focus on the part that's empty? Because if you focus on the part that's empty, even if it's a little empty, it will take over your life, and you will not see anything else. As, as wild and as ridiculous as that sounds, but that is the reality. And anyone with any bit of experience knows that that is the reality we live around every day. Shlomo Melech says, Lev hacham limino. The wise man, his heart is on his right. Ve'lev kesil, and the heart of the fool is lismolo, is on his left. Now, of course, physically, that isn't true. The heart of a person, whether he's wise or not, is on his left. What does it mean that the heart of the wise man is on his right? So some explain, as you know, in the Hebrew language, we go from right to left. When you open a book and you start learning, the part that you did, that you learned, goes to the right. The part that you haven't done yet you didn't get to it yet, still to your left. The wise person always sees how much they've accomplished. Always looks on his right. 
He sees how much Hashem has given him in his life. But the fool is always looking on the part that they never yet got to. The part that didn't come yet. The money that they haven't made yet. The kavod that they didn't get yet. There's no greater example than Haman. Haman's book, if you would look on the right side, you would see thousands of pages, all done, read, great. And you would see just one page left on the left. But guess what? If your eyes are on the left, you don't see anything on the right. And that's all you focus on. Says Shilomo Melech, you have a choice in life. You could either look to your right, look at what you have, look at what you've accomplished, look at all the gifts that Hashem gave you, or you could choose to look at your left. It's your choice. Choose your driver. That's why it says about Naphtali, one of the great children and great Shevatim, that we are B'nai Yisrael. Naphtali, the Pasuk says, when Moshe blessed him, it says, Naphtali Seba Ratzon. He was full with satisfaction. The only way you can be full with satisfaction is if you look on the right side. And what happened when, he, when he's full with satisfaction? Umale birkat Hashem. And therefore, he was filled with the blessings of Hashem. Which means that the more you look on the right side, the more blessed you will actually feel. Even if there are pages that have yet to come. And even if there are things that have yet to be accomplished. In fact, the Pasuk says, David Melech writes in Tehillim, Batsar, Tsar means narrow, Tsar means when a difficult time comes in a person's life, Batsar hirhaftali. Says David Melech, I lived an interesting reality that all of us live with. That when Hashem, even when Hashem sends a person difficulty and it's narrow, it's a difficult time, a difficult moment, difficult month, a difficult year, whatever it is, Batsar Hirhaftali says David Amelech guaranteed that even as you go through difficult times, you will have enough Rohav, you will have enough things to be looking at and to get your satisfaction from. Even during a tsara, even during a difficult time, Batsar says David Amelech Every time I had a difficulty, but I had something to bank on. You showed me, if I was looking in the right place, how much rohav, how much width. In one hand, I was going through a very tight space, but I was able to see also a lot of rohav, a lot of wide spaces in my life. You just have to look in the right place. I saw a story of a man who writes, a man in Israel, who says that he volunteered to take a person whose kidneys have failed him, and he needed to go for dialysis every other day. And that would be a four or five hour day. 
that he would need to get whatever he needed. And this man would take him. That was the hash that he did. I don't know if he took him every day, but he would take him. And he writes that this man was always Samer. He was always happy. He couldn't understand how you could be happy spending five hours every other day going into the hospital, getting your dialysis and coming out. It's not an easy, not an easy thing to go through. But he's always Samer. He couldn't understand. He himself driving him had less issues and he couldn't find the simha. And this person is always happy, he's always upbeat. So he says one time he got the strength and the courage to ask him, what is going on with you? Why are you always so happy? Don't, do you realize what you're going through? Are you in a different olam, a different world? So he says, he says, you know, I made a hashbon. I made a very easy calculation. He says, you have it every day, 24 hours. 24 hours times 10 days, is 240 hours. Times 30 days is 722 hours a month. He says, I thought to myself, out of 720 hours a month, I only go 12 days a month. It's every other day minus Shabbat. I only go 12. 12 times 5, maximum is 5, is 60 hours. He says from 720 hours, I only have to go 60 hours to do this. But I have so many more hours to my day. He says, of course I'm excited that I only have to give up 60 hours. Now, I don't know if we could actually do that but that makes sense. It actually makes sense. You have more than 90% of your time to be able to do more or less what you want. But you have to take 10% of your time out for whatever you have to do. Of course, we'd like to have the entire 720. But if 60 hours are taken away, then the hacham would look limino. The hacham would look at the 660 hours, while the kasil, the fool, could only focus on the 60 hours. That's all he can see. He would live in an olam that has so much good, but he wouldn't see any of it, because the 60 hours are covering everything that he would be able to enjoy. Is there a greater example than Sarai Menu? Sarai Menu, it says, when we read about her life, as the Pasuk says, she lived 127 years. Says Rashi, Kulam Shavim Letorah. The Torah said 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years. Kulam, all of them, when she was seven years old. How many issues can a seven-year-old have? Not too much. 20 years old? 100 years old? Says Rashi, why did it say it this way? 
כולם שווים לטובה, because they were all equally wonderful years. When you read this and you say, okay, beautiful, wow, she lived a great life. And then you study her life and you realize, how could that be? This woman had every year of her life, all the time, her life was equally good, really? This is not the woman who couldn't have a child till she was 90 years old? What does that, what does that feel like to be 90 years without a child? Is this the same woman that was taken by Avimelech and almost raped? Is this the same woman that was taken to the house of Paro? Is this the same woman that dealt with Hagar and Yishmael? And I'm sure many more things that Torah doesn't write about. You tell me this woman had a perfect life, not like mine? When you read Kulam Shavim Litovah, you say, ah, I wish I was like Sarai Menu. Really? You do? You also want to be barren for 90 years? Is that what you're asking for? How could, how could, how could that be Kulam Shavim Litovah? How could a woman who has a baby at 90 be the same as the woman at 80 who had no child? How does that make sense? Kulam Shavim Letova was not talking about what Hashem did for Sarah. It was about Sarah's wisdom. It was Sarah's chokhmah. They were praising her. That despite the difficulty and the times that things were not going her way, but in her eyes she was Seva Ratzon. The the great-grandmother of Naphtali. She was Seva Ratzon. She looked at the right side. She was led by the driver that was going the right way. She saw all the beautiful... After all, she had a wonderful husband. After all, she was able to help a lot of people every day. She did so much kindness. She was blessed with so many things. Yes, she didn't have a child. But in her eyes, she wasn't focused on that. She wasn't oblivious of that, but she wasn't focused on it. She was focused on all the tova. Kulam shavim le tova. You know, sometimes you could see the good just from the bed itself. For example, I gave a few examples the other day. So often the beracha that we have we're experiencing the blessing, and yet the Yetzirah says, look at the bed. You have people over Friday night, your own family, your own children and grandchildren, and they make a mess, and you're going crazy. You can't believe the mess they left, and you're all upset about the mess in your house. But isn't the mess a reminder that you're blessed with a big family that could make a mess? Isn't that really what's happening? You just looked at the mess and you forgot who made it? You know how many people would love to have that mess that you have? A person doesn't find parking right in the front. Even the handicap spots are taken. So they drive all the way to the back of the garage, of the parking lot. And now they have to walk and say, ah, can't believe I have to walk this far. Aren't you thankful that you could walk this far? There's a reason why they put the handicap in the front, because they can't walk. 
You're wishing to be a handicap? Shouldn't you be excited that you're capable of walking so far to get to your destination? When sometimes you get on the scale and it's a little bit overweight. <laughs> I know you'd like that. Isn't that, isn't that a time to be thankful that you have food to eat? You have to think about that. So many things that we actually complain about are actually a blessing in themselves. They were caused by the blessing. But again... If you're being led by the wrong driver, and you will be led by the wrong driver, by the wrong one, unless you stop and think, because the alam is always hiding the good driver. That means if you didn't come to a class like this, or you didn't think about it, or you weren't taught, the default is you're going with the wrong driver. That's for sure. That's the nature of this world. But if you don't stop and make a clear turn to go to a different driver, this will never end. The very blessings in your life will end up being a problem. And David Melech tells us that not only does he, your life become much more beautiful, seva ratzon, you feel satisfied and wealthy and you f and you feel you're full of blessings but says David Melech, it actually helps you during tefillah look at David Melech's prayer look how he systemized his prayer he says bekori aneni hashem please when i call you please answer me i need you i'm stuck somewhere i need help all, we all get stuck. Everyone gets stuck. Sometimes small things, sometimes bigger things. Bekor'i, please Hashem, when I call you, answer me. Elohet You, the God who always gives me kindness. You're always giving me tzedakah. You're always giving me charity. You're always helping me. Always when it's narrow, you always showed me the beautiful things despite the narrow way. Please listen to my prayer. Look at the way he prays. You know, some of us pray and we turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, I have nothing, you're killing me. Please, I can't do this anymore. I'm dying. There's nothing good going on in my life. I'm desperate. Maybe we don't say that, but we feel that way sometimes. But that's not a prayer. What kind of prayer is that? Because it's dishonest. Imagine someone gives you so much good and you just totally ignore it. Imagine when your children 
who you gave them your life and one thing you didn't do, one thing you missed, one thing you forgot, and they are really angry with you. And you say to yourself, all those 20 years of me giving them everything is forgotten? All they could remember is the one thing that I forgot to give them or that I made a mistake on? Could you imagine going to the creator of the world and saying, Hashem, please, I'm desperate. I have nothing. You have nothing? How could you say that? That's a tefillah that you think is going to be accepted or wants to be heard by the creator? David Amela says, when you come to pray, yes, of course, you're supposed to pray for your needs. That's why Hashem gave you all these issues. He wants you to pray. He wants you to get close to Him. But be careful how you pray. Don't pray as if your life is all doomed. Don't pray as if you have nothing. That's not a tefillah. Hashem, please. He says, again, He says, I need you to help me. But right away he goes into all the things that he does have. I'm not a person who's blind to all the kindness. You've given me so much, I'm not complaining. I'm not here to complain to you. A prayer is not a complaint session. A prayer is an appreciation session. But saying, I appreciate so much all that you've given me. And I know it's only you that can give me. Could you give me more? Could you help me more? It's praising, thanking, asking all at once. You can't expect to pray with any strength or any kind of response if it's a complaint session. You would not answer somebody that you've given everything to when they just complain and complain. You wouldn't be happy to give them even if you had to. That's the secret of tefillah that not only David HaMelech taught us, you see Yaakov Avinu, when he says, Ve'ata amarta yu Hashem says, Hetev etiv emach. You said that you will do good for me. What is the double lashon? Hetev, etiv. Good and I will do good. Says the Divrei Yisrael. The double, the double terminology of hetev, etiv means that if one accustoms themselves to say hetev, to say that it is good, then Hashem will do more good. That's the way you approach tefillah. Hetev, I have so much good. I have an overwhelming amount of good. But I need you for something that's missing. That's the way you pray. That's the way you can expect to be answered. So when you look at the good, when you look at the hef, that's full. When you look at the right side of the book, a, you become like Naftali. You feel full. You feel blessed. That in itself is a blessing. Two, you can actually talk to Hashem with confidence. You have actually a better chance of getting answered.
for the things that you're missing. And something else you're going to have. It's called strength. And there's nothing that we need in life more than strength. We need hizuk all the time. Look at the story of Lagbaume. It's a very interesting story. We know that during the days between Pesach and Shavuot, that the students of Rabbi Akiva passed away in a very uh, tragic way. 24,000 students. And then we celebrate Lagbaume, the 33rd. Why, says Shohan Aruch? Because at that day they stopped dying. The Mifarshim ask, the Pre-Hadash asks on Shohan Aruch. He says, I don't understand. What kind of simcha is this? They stopped dying? Says the Pre-Hadash. What do you mean they stopped dying? So what? There was none left. Could you imagine? An entire yeshiva is wiped out. And then they stop dying because there's no one else left to die. So you say, oh, Baruch Hashem, they stopped dying. We're going to make a simha. Says the Priya Hadash, what kind of simha? He says, Halo, lo nisharu ehad mehem, bekula metu, they all died. Umativa shel simha zo. What is the nature of this happiness? Every Lag Baomer, we make bonfires, we're happy, we have music. What is going on? You want to stop the Avelut? You stop the Avelut. When a person, Lo'alenu, loses a father, a mother, or a relative, and for 30 days, they're in Avelut, the first 30 days. And then they move to the next section, or they finish the Avelut. They throw a party. They move on. They went from mourning to not mourning. But now we're going to go and throw a party in Lag Ba'omer because they stopped dying. Says the Priya Hadash, how does that make sense? Says the Priya Hadash, something unbelievable. And the Hida explains it even perhaps more beautifully. Because Hazal tell us, what did Rabbi Akiva do? When all of his students died. I mean, we can't even imagine what that means. Here's a man working to build a yeshiva. And he built the biggest yeshiva in the world. Who knows how many yeshivas in history could have matched that number. 24,000 students. Today we have big yeshivas. The biggest one maybe has 8,000 students. 9,000 students. 24,000 students. And he's running the yeshiva. He's teaching. He's helping. He's doing. He's growing. And then, in a month's time, they all wiped out. What, what does that feel like? You feel rejected a little bit by the creator of the world? You feel like he's not interested in you a little bit? What does he do? Hazal tell us, you know what he did? He went looking for new students. He went recruiting. And he went to the south of Israel. It's, only, it's the only ones you could find. And he recruited five students. Rabbi Meir Balanes, Rabbi Shuwam Bar Yochai, Rabbi Yehuda Bar Elai, Rabbi Yosei and Rabbi Elazar Ben Shamua. And he started the yeshiva again. And these Talmidim, continued 
the chain of Torah. You cannot turn a page of Gemara without seeing Rabbi Meir Baalanes, Rabbi Shlom Bar Yochai, Rabbi Yosei, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Azar. Our whole Torah comes from them. When you go to Eretz Israel and you visit Kivret Sadikim, that's where you go. Who are these people? These are the students that Rabbi Akiva had, but not the ones that made it. He didn't have anyone that made it. We would have given up way after one student we would give up. Two students, 24,000 students. What does he do? He goes back and he starts again. And he builds something for the entire future of Kalisa. That's why in Lag Ba'amir, Ben Ishai says, you don't just go to Miron. You don't just go to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. You go to Rabbi Meir Ba'alanes. You go to all the Givretz, all these students. You go to their graves. Because this is the greatness of Rabbi Akiva. Could you imagine how little the cup was full on that day? When all the students passed away. What's left of the yeshiva? What does he have to look forward to? When you see everything empty, you basically give up and you lose your strength. But Rabbi Akiva was a hacham and he had a good driver. And despite all that happened, he was still alive. And perhaps that was a message to him. Why was he spared? Why are you still alive, Rabbi Akiva? all your students passed away why didn't you go with them too well if I'm here that means there's what to do and he did the unimaginable how many times do you feel like Rabbi Akiva in your life I don't want to compare I don't know that we've ever been in such a situation but every hard situation feels like the hardest and what happens then what happens when everything seems to be crumbling in your life? That's Lag Ba'omer. That's the celebration of Lag Ba'omer. That's what the Hadash says. Ve'efshar she'asimha al otam talmidim she'hosifa haka. The simha of Lag Ba'omer. He said, look at this man. Could you imagine a bigger difference between Haman Harasha? And Rabbi Akiva. Haman had everything. One thing was missing. The world is not worth it. Rabbi Akiva lost everything. And he built the most magnificent students and magnificent future. That's the way it works. Which driver you choose will determine who you will be like. Haman or Rabbi Akiva. It's a very simple story. to see good. Tov ayin hu yevorach. You will be blessed. And you can bless others as well. When your eyes are in the right place. You need savlanut for that. Because like I said, the initial look is not good. The weather isn't as good as you would like it to be. The family isn't exactly the way you would like it to be. The children are not exactly reacting the way you would like it to be. The health is not exactly what you're looking for. If 
Finances, not exactly. There are always going to be things that I can promise you. There will always be things. That's not changing. The only thing that could change is your ayin. Is where you choose to look. Tov ayin. But I'd like to go into a little more depth on this subject. Because Tov Ayn, that we just described for the last whatever time, 45 minutes, is basically describing the good in your life and the not so good. And it's being, it's asking us to look at the good. But there's actually something deeper than that. I mean, if we just did that, we would be doing great. If you would leave right now, it definitely makes a huge difference. But there's a higher step and a higher level. And we shouldn't forget that. We learned last week what the Mishnah Perkei Avot says. Heve dan et kol ha'adam lekav zechut. When you're judging someone, be fair. Don't be unfair. Judge people favorably. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And if that applies to humans, how much more so does it apply to our Creator? How much more so do we have to be careful to judge Him favorably? That when we see something that is bad or not to our liking, that we judge Him favorably. That's what Kalev ben Yefuneh told the other Miraglim when they started complaining about the country they just visited. They saw people dying. They saw all types of scary giants. Pasuk says, Vayahas Kalev et ha'am el Moshe. He said, guys, keep quiet. Vayomer alo na'aleh. Of course we're going to go. Vayarashnu ota. Of course we're going to take it. Ki yacholnu chala. It's there for, it's for us. What Kaleb was telling them was, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem is put the sea for us. He gave us the Torah. He did so much for us in the last year. You saw giants? Give him zechut and he'll take care of them. You saw people dying? Maybe he was trying to distract them so that they wouldn't realize you're coming to spy. Give him the benefit of the doubt. He created you. He made you. He's been helping you. Everything you have is only because he gave you that. Or he gave you the opportunity. Wouldn't you give your father the benefit of the doubt? If you felt his love for you? Wouldn't you imagine that your mother probably didn't do it on purpose or didn't realize? Or maybe you didn't understand? 
הווה דן את כל האדם לקו זכות, קל וחומר, בנו של קל וחומר. How many more times קל וחומר do we have to use that same judgment when it comes to the Creator? Don't rush to describe something as bad. Bitter? Maybe. Difficult? Maybe. But don't rush to say bad. Know who you're talking about. Understand your relationship vis-a-vis him. That's what Kalev was telling them. I know it looks scary. I'm not going to disagree with you. He didn't argue with them. He didn't say, no, it's not true what they were saying. They weren't ever accused of lying, the Meraglim. But he says, Yachol Muchala, Hashem is with us. And whatever you saw, there's an explanation to it. Last week, or two weeks ago, we were learning about Tubishvah. And we were learning how the Torah describes the Adam, all of us. Torah says, Ki Adam etz hasadeh. That a human is like a tree. Or is a tree. That which needs explanation. What does that mean? That a human is a tree. That doesn't seem to be upgrading us. Even if we call someone a behemah, we don't consider that a very nice thing. Maybe, maybe you've been called a hamor or something. I don't think you took that so well. And a hamor is higher than a, a tree. At least a hamor moves, hamor is alive. Torah calls us a tree. That's it? We're a tree? What does that mean? So what it means is that Hashem teaches us in life through different vehicles. He gives us chokhmah to live a life of full success and simha and accomplishment. He teaches us in many ways. One way is the Torah. One way is experience. One way is advice from others. And another way is through His creation. Hashem talks to us through the creation. Just like when you enter a mall and you never saw one store open and not one shopper, you could tell what the designer of that building wanted when he built it. It's pretty obvious. You just got to look good. You'll say, oh, he made it to be a mall. How do you know? Because you could see. Look at it. Hashem made the world the same way. If you look good, you'll understand so much about the world and about ourselves. And here the Torah says, listen to me. Look at that tree. The tree is you. Which means that you have a lot to learn from that tree. You have a lot to gain from that tree. There's so much about that tree that if you would just replicate it, if you would just copy it, you would be so much there. And if we had the time and we don't, we would go through dozens of things that we humans could benefit from studying the behavior of a tree. But today I just want to share one with you because it 
It's relevant to our subject. There's something interesting about a tree. You know, first of all, before I tell you the main thing, a tree holds on to its fruits. When there's rain and wind, the tree holds onto it tight. It doesn't let it go. But what's amazing is that when the fruits are ripe and ready, it loosens its grip. And sometimes they fall or they easily come off the tree. Side point, that's a great lesson for all of us. When you have a fruit, when you have a child, there's a time to hold on tight. There's a time for a parent to make sure that they're thinking for the child and they're protecting the child and not letting them make their own decisions in things that they don't have the ability to make a good decision. You gotta hold on tight. But there comes a time when you have to let go. At the right time, for the right things. For some things, it's two years old. You let go of two. Maybe choosing a snack, you let go of two. <coughs> let them choose it. And as they get older and more ready, you let go. And as they get married, you really let go. You have to let go. Because if you hold on too tight, when you're supposed to let go, you're going to ruin your fruits. And if you let them go too early, they're still green. They'll never be a good fruit. It's a chokhmah, or one to hold on and one to let go. That's a chokhmah of a tree. I heard someone once say, a young man, about his parents, and I found it to be very intriguing. He says, my parents are very special to me. The young married couple. He says, because the motto in that home is, you're always invited to come. But you never have to come. That is a beautiful thing about letting go. You never have to come. Because you're your own person. You're always invited to come. Love to have you to come. But you never have to. I don't know how many people can actually do that. It's hard to let go of someone that you raised for 20, 25 years. But that's what it takes if you want to be a successful tree. But back to our subject. Something amazing about a tree is that when it has a dead leaf, a dry leaf, it doesn't hold on to it. It lets go of all its dead leaves. 
That's pretty amazing for a tree. That if the leaves are fresh and good, it holds on tight. But you'll ever hardly see a dead leaf on a tree. It lets it go. And I say about us, Halevai, what a wish that we can have such a reality in our lives. To let go of all the dead leaves that come to us on a daily basis. Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of good leaves, a lot of good fruits that we produce, a lot of good things happening to us. But once in a while, we have a dead leaf. Somebody makes a comment, maybe it's a spouse that we don't like. Someone forgot our birthday. Someone didn't give us kavod. Someone didn't invite us. Someone didn't include us. Maybe it's a financial issue that we're going through. Maybe it's a social issue that we're going through. Maybe it's a health issue that we're going through. Maybe it's a spiritual issue that we're going through. We have these bad moments. It could happen. Not it could happen. It does happen every day. Every day it happens. The dead leaves of life are part of our tree. But unlike a tree, instead of letting go, we hold on tight. We even hold on tighter than if the leaves were fresh and good. We hold on to them. We do hazara on them. We review them. Let's review one more time. Let's review. Did she really say that? Can't believe it. Let me see if she really did. Let me think through. Yeah, she did. Can't believe it. We do hazara again and again. Did that really happen? Is this really happening right now? Again, again. Hazara, hazara. When it comes to learning Torah, hazara is the most critical thing. You learn something once, you learn it, it's nice, but you, you never, you're never gonna remember it. You do hazara once, twice, 10 times, becomes part of you, it's in your bones. I mentioned on Shabbat, that last Shabbat, I was away in a Shabbaton, and they told me last minute that the person who's supposed to read the, the, the Torah is may not, may not come, he ended up coming, so he may not come, and we have no one to read the Torah. There's like 30 men there who's gonna read the Torah. I said, I don't know, why are you coming to me? <laughs> so I guess it's my response, exactly. So I don't usually read the Torah. I could read the Torah, I have to prepare 10, 20 hours, I could read it. I said, I don't know, we'll figure it out. What, what could we do? And then I remembered it was Parashat Yitro. I said, no, no, I got this one. I can read Parashat Yitro. Because 37 years ago, I read Parashat Yitro upstairs in the dome for the entire parasha for my Bar Mitzvah piece. 
37 years. I never read Parashat Yidro since. But if you give me today Parashat Yidro, I can still read it. Because when you review something a hundred times, you don't forget it. Now that's a beautiful thing for Parashat Yidro. But when you do that for your dry leaves, you just keep reviewing again and again that neighbor that's driving you crazy. That issue that's making you nuts. That person that hurt you. The situation that just doesn't go away. And you keep thinking about it and you hold on to it. That type of hazara, it takes the problem and it puts it in your bones. And it never leaves you. The same way Parashat Yitro hasn't yet left me. And sometimes we do even more. We decide that hazara is not enough. So we get a havruta. We get a study partner to go over it. To discuss it. Let me tell you what happened to me. Really? She did that to you? I can't believe it. Could you say it again? Let me get all the pot. Hold on. You know, that reminds me. She did that to me also. And I'll tell you who else also did that to me. Oh, oh, yeah, she did it to me too. And all of a sudden you have a shi'ur of people... It seems so natural to do. It seems so perfect, our behavior, but it's so damaging. They speak about a person with a beautiful home, and he's just sitting in his den. For a couple of minutes, he realized that it reeked, it smelled horrible. He said, I gotta get out of this room, it's terrible. Where's the smell coming from? He looks, he looks, he looks. He sees a bag, looks inside. Oh, horrible smell. Leaves the room with the bag in his hand and sits in the dining room. After a couple of minutes, he says, oh, this room, I can't take it anymore. It's like the other room. I thought I got away from it. Takes the bag, goes in the kitchen. Two minutes later, can't handle it anymore. Goes to the living room. That's a silly story. And you'll forgive me. Some might say, you're insulting our intelligence. People don't do that. Come on. Who takes the garbage with them to every room? What kind of person you have to be? Lost your mind? But we do that every day. Instead of leaving the problem where it is, we just take it with us. We take it shopping. We take it to shul. We take it to eat. We take it for lunch. We take it for dinner. We're walking. Exercise is there too. Everywhere we go. Just can't get away from it. It's so ridiculous. Let go. Let go of the dry leaves. Why are we doing that to ourselves? We have many enemies in life, small ones, big ones. 
and they're there every day. But for some reason we hold on. You need to let go. Now this is a very frustrating place for anyone listening. Because I bet you're sitting there and saying this man again insulted our intelligence. He first did it with the mashal, and now he did it again. Because he's telling us to let go of the bad leaves of our lives. Ah, he's so smart. You think we don't want to let go? You think we plan to be miserable and we want to hold on? What exactly is the advice here? When I come and tell you, let go. I sound like such a hero, but an empty hero. Because everybody here, of course, on their own would say, of course I want to let go. You think I want to be miserable? You think I want to do hazara? You think I want to live with this? But I can't let go. It's like telling a person who's angry, don't be angry. <laughs> oh wow, you're so smart. <laughs> Which books are you reading? <laughs> what are you helping him? So what have I done for you today to alert you of this huge nuclear problem that we're suffering with? All of us, all of us are suffering from this. And it's self-inflicted, but yet it's not in our hands. So all I'm doing is just alerting you to the misery and the issues that you are currently struggling with without really giving you any kind of solution or advice. But I do have advice. It's an advice that maybe seems a little far-fetched. But it's the advice of a great man by the name of David Amalek. No one better than he could tell us about the dry leaves of life. I don't think we can even imagine to have the amount of issues that he had. Perhaps that's why we always look to him when we need something. Because he's someone that we can connect to. And says David Amalek in Tehillim, in Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbat, he says, the Pasuk reads, Ki hine oyevecha Hashem. Ki hine oyevecha yuvedu. Simply translated, it means that Hashem's enemies will be wiped out. But the wording of the Pasuk seems very repetitive. Ki hine oyevecha Hashem yuvedu. That would be enough. What does it say? Ki hine oyevecha Hashem some explain beautifully, and it's not a simple explanation by any means. By any means of this passage, it's not a simple explanation. But it's a beautiful explanation, and it's a relevant explanation. That the enemies in this pasuk are not God's enemies. They're David's enemies. They're the dry leaves. They're his enemies. You know why they're called enemies, the dry leaves? Because these enemies want one thing, and that's take, to take away your peace of mind, to take away your tranquility. When you lose your peace of mind, A, you lose your happiness, 
and just as bad, you lose your ability to move on and to build and to do. You make terrible decisions when you don't have peace of mind. I bet, I would bet that every marriage or came at every marriage was destroyed because, the ones that were destroyed, was because of a situation that happened and someone did something or said something because they weren't thinking. Under pressure or under anger or under stress or they said something, they did something. When you, when you don't think straight, you do silly things. So the Yetzirah, if he's trying to get us, to destroy us, what better way to get us is to take our peace of mind. So the enemies are there to take our peace of mind. Those are the enemies in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ki When you have an enemy in your life, when you have a dry leaf in your life, says David, I'm going to help you get rid of those enemies. How? You know who your enemy really is? Hashem. When you turn your enemy into Hashem, you will learn to let go of the enemies. It's very interesting. Your enemy is not the neighbor. No. Your enemy is Hashem. Your enemy is not the person that didn't invite you. Hashem didn't invite you. Your enemy is not the person that embarrassed you. Hashem embarrassed you. Your enemy is not the person who spoke Lashonara and therefore you didn't get something. No. Hashem is the one that doesn't want you to get it. There's free choice in this world. What a person chooses to do to hurt somebody, that's his issue with Hashem. That's his problem. But as far as the recipient is concerned, nothing will ever happen to me unless Hashem signs off on it. So if I got embarrassed, if I wasn't included, if some issue happened or there was an injury or there was, it's not because of anything else. Hashem is the enemy. He's your enemy. He's not your neighbor. Replace all your enemies and just put Hashem as your enemy. Sounds very far-fetched and very weird. What does that help? What does that do? By the way, we saw it in this week's parasha. Clear. The pasuk talks about people who are fighting. They're fighting. Men are fighting. And it says, One of them hit his friend with a stone or with his fist. And the guy got sick. And the Torah tells us the halakha of how you're supposed to proceed with the payments. One of the payments, Torah says, verapo yerape. You gotta pay his doctor's bills. You injure somebody, you gotta pay his doctor's bills. Verapo yerape, refua. Comes the Gemara in Masechet Babakama. Listen to this Gemara. Verapo yerape, says the Gemara, mikan, from here, says the Gemara, we learn, that a doctor has permission to heal someone who's sick. Meaning, if not for this pasuk, 
we would think that a doctor has no business in healing people. Don't get involved in healing people. Someone is sick, you can help them, not your business. Don't get involved. How do we know a doctor can heal people? Oh, Torah says you gotta pay his doctor's bills. That means there's a doctor healing the guy. Now, why would someone think for a second that they shouldn't go to a doctor or that a doctor can't help them? Why? Says Rashi, listen to these words. You might think, says Rashi, since since Hashem is the one that sent him the sickness, let him heal it. You might have thought, since God sent him the problem, what are you getting involved? Let him heal himself. Or let God heal him. Don't get involved in God's business. He's the one that sent him the problem. You might have thought that. And therefore, you would think, I can't get involved in this. It's God's business. Torah says, no, do it. Go ahead, I give you permission. Very interesting. God sent this guy a problem? Wait, did they forget what the Pasuk is talking about? The Pasuk didn't talk about a guy who woke up one day and said, oh no, I got a headache. I have an issue. The Pasuk is talking about people are fighting. One guy punched his friend. Why is that called that Hashem injured him? The Pasuk says the guy punched him. He injured him, not Hashem. answer is, the guy could have punched him, and he has to pay the bills too. But at the end of the day, if you got punched, if you got hit, then Hashem hit you. It wasn't the guy. One might ask, what does it help me in any way to know that, no, it's not my neighbor, it's Hashem. It's not my friend, it's Hashem. It's not my husband, it's Hashem. It's not that guy, it's Hashem. It's not the sickness, it's Hashem. What does it help me? At the end of the day, I have the same problem. So great, now he's not, he's not Reuven, he's Shimon. What do I do? I change names? How does that help me let go of the leaves when I give a different identity to the enemy that was sending me all my problems? What does that do? So it does something very simple. I'm going to give you a mashal. I'll give you an example. They have a person running full speed because they need to get somewhere. They have an appointment to catch and the doors close in three minutes. They're running full speed, hoping they'll make it in time. And that's if they run full speed. And all of a sudden, while they're running or while they're driving, maybe a better example, they're driving full speed and all of a sudden, a garbage truck pulls up. And he could have stopped for you, but he saw you and said, no, haha, I'm not. <laughs> and he blocks the whole street. He parks sideways. And he's taking his time. How do you feel? You have an appointment, you have three minutes, you're not gonna make it. You could have made a lot of money, but the door's closed. You're not gonna be able to do it. Oh, it's horrible. Because that wall blocked you from your success. Someone put a wall in your life when you needed to get somewhere. 
doesn't feel very good. It's very frustrating. Walls are frustrating. So how do you explain the Olympic runner who's running the hurdle race and as he's running full speed to get to the finish line very quickly, they put a wall in front of him. You don't see him get upset. You actually get him, you see him get excited. How come he doesn't see the same thing you see with the garbage truck? They're both walls. They're both blocking you. Walls aren't necessarily bad. It depends what the purpose of the wall is. If the wall is there to block you, it's very frustrating. But if the wall is there to lift you, that's a different kind of wall. It's not an obstacle. It's a hurdle. It's a very big difference. It's the same wall. And it's blocking you in both situations. But one is meant to block you and one is meant for you to jump higher. The creator of the world who created me and created you for no reason, meaning no reason for himself, he doesn't gain anything from us, only headaches. What does he gain from us? What could we give him? He gave us everything for free. Every minute's free. Everything is a kindness. If he puts a wall in my life, wait, he loves me more than my parents love me. I know my parents love me, but he's like way more than that. If he put a wall, if my neighbor put a wall, I'm going to be very upset. If the garbage man is blocking me and smiling and waiting and taking his time, I'm very upset. But if it's Hashem doing that, it's not the garbage man. Hashem doesn't want you to move right now. Hashem doesn't put roadblocks in my life. Hashem is my biggest fan. Why would he block me? If I see a wall that Hashem put, then it must be that I need to jump over it. It must be that it's there to make me go up and higher. And every situation of life where there's a dry leaf, no matter how dry the leaf is, each person must look at their leaves and figure out what is the hurdle in this situation. It's not always easy to know. What is the hurdle when the truck blocks you? There's a hurdle there. You got to figure it out. Maybe it's to stay calm. To realize that time doesn't run according to your schedule. Maybe to have more trust in Hashem. Maybe to realize you're not all-powerful. What, what do you do when someone throws you a line? Sometimes it's to keep quiet. Sometimes it's to tell them in the right way, in a nice way. Sometimes you have to wait and tell them later. Every situation where there's a dry leaf, there is the right way to handle it. And our job is to know how to hurdle this one. Sometimes you have to ask. You got to go to your local rabbi 
or your local mentor or whoever it is, and you guys say, you know what? In this wall that I'm encountering, what exactly is the way to jump? What am I supposed to do? Sometimes it's not so clear, but every situation, you can be sure, every situation has a hurdle and the system to jump over it. Every issue, financial, health, social, marriage, no matter what, there is a hurdle. We're not saying be a carpet and let everyone step on you. That's not what I'm saying. But every situation has the right way to react and the wrong way to react. And you have to know what that way is. If Hashem is the enemy, there's no more roadblocks, the hurdles. It changes everything. It says David HaMelech, when you have an enemy in life, Hashem, if you put Hashem as your enemy, you will have no more enemies. You will be like Rav Zusha, that man from Europe, a great man who was a poor, had nothing in his life. And there was once a man went to his rabbi, and says, you know, I see how a person is supposed to look at the good and ignore the bad in life and to always be happy. He says, but I can't do it. Could you tell me how to do it? He says, I can't tell you. But there's a guy, there's a rabbi who's an expert. His name is Rav Zusha. If you go down to his Bet Midrash, go ask him. Maybe he can help you. So the man goes to see Rav Zusha. Razusha welcomes and says, what do you need? He says, you know, my rabbi, I asked him a question. How do you deal with difficulties in life? How do you deal with the dry leaves? And he told me, you can't help me, and you're the only one who can help me. So the Razusha looked at him and said, no, I'm very surprised he sent you in. He says, why? He says, how can I help you? How can I help you figure out how to deal with the bad things in life? I never had a bad thing happen to me in life. I know he told me that. One bad thing. He says, go to somebody who has experienced bad. Maybe they can help you, but I can't help you. What a story that is. What a beauty. You know what that story means? It means if you're trying to get rid of your enemies, good luck. That's what it means. Because they're never going away. If you're trying to have a tree with no dry leaves, not happening. It will stay with you till the end of your life. It's not happening. They'll come in different ways. From the time you were little, you had dry leaves until the time you leave this world. And they come in different patterns and different colors and in different ways. Not happening. That's what Rav Zusha was telling him. Nobody could help you deal with the enemies. You have to turn it that you have no enemies. Because once the enemies are there already, then there's nothing to do. He said, me, I never had enemies. Oyevim have to be replaced with Hashem. May not be so easy to do, and maybe not the natural reaction, but it's a necessary one if we expect to live a life of simha. And guess what happened to the leaves? Whoever wondered, what happens to dry leaves?
after the tree lets them go. Something unbelievable. That the dry leaves turn to fertilizers. The dry leaves actually in the forest, believe it or not, the majority of the nutrients of the trees come from the dry leaves that they shed and they let them go. You let go of the dry leaf, you hold on to it, no good for you. You let it go, it makes you grow taller, makes you grow higher. That's a reality of the leaves. That's a tree. That is the life that we're living in. That's what we say every day. Shema Israel, Hashem Elokenu, Hashem Echad. The word Hashem, Yudke Bavke, means the Rahamim, the, the, the parts of life that we see are beautiful. Elokim, Elokenu, is the parts of life that may be a little challenging, the dry leaves of life. We say every day in Shema Yisrael, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, the good, Elokenu, the dry, Hashem Echad. It's all Hashem. It's all Rahamim. It's the same. Maybe not so clear why it's good. But that's okay. Hashem is smarter than us. But if it's coming from Him, it has to be good. You just got to figure it out why it's good. Hashem doesn't send bad. Hashem sends things. Even money could be good or bad. Hashem sends money to someone. That's good? Really? How do you know? Maybe it's bad. One time a person told me how much security he has in his house. Not from this country, from other country. He has four security guards. He has dogs. He has this. He has cameras. He has the whole system. After he showed me for a half hour about his whole security compound, I say, you know, I want to tell you, in my house, I don't have security, I don't have a dog, I don't have a camera, I don't have anything. They just walk in. Now, I don't know who's wealthier, me or him, I'm not sure. Who, who says that money is good? We, we assume that money is good. Who, who says? You know how much trouble money could give? You know how many problems money could bring? You know how much arrogance and anger money could bring for a person? How do you know what's good? Hashem doesn't send good or bad. Hashem sends things. And you got to figure out how to turn them into good. That's how life is. Bad and good are not decided by Hashem. Hashem just sends. And you got to figure them out. It's up to you. You could turn bad and make it good. And turn good and make it bad. You need to figure it out. That's what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. Listen to these words. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, after Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, I came to help these people from Paro, and it just got worse. Why did you do bad? He said, Why are you doing bad to these people? Paro made them work harder. Now they're getting more frustrated. What's Hashem's answer? Vaidaber Elohim El Moshe. Vaidaber. Vaidaber is strong words. Elohim is dry leaves, strong. Din. Vaidaber Elohim El Moshe. Rashi says he spoke to him harsh. Kashe. Very nice. He had what to say to him. So what did he say? But look at the end of the Pasuk. 
Can't believe how you read. Watch this. Vaydaber Elohim El Moshe, Vayomer Elav Ani Hashem. Vayomer is the opposite of Vaydaber. Vaydaber is strong. Vayomer, soft. Elohim, strong. Hashem, soft. So how do you read the pasuk? Vaydaber Elohim El Moshe. He spoke very strong to him. And what? Vayomer Elav Ani Hashem. How does that make sense? The answer is that Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, whenever you have Vaydaber Elohim in your life, you have to translate it Vayomer Ani Hashem. You think it's Vaydaber Elohim. It's not. What you think is Ra is not. Give Hashem the benefit of the doubt. He's not interested in blocking you. So even when he's speaking strong to you, Vayomer, it's really Vayomer, Ani Hashem. It's another way of getting you to give you, to help you. Hashem has all different ways of helping us. I saw once a story, a very cute story, about a man, a very wealthy man. He's in his building in the city. And he needs some fresh air. So he went up to the roof of the building, a very high, tall building. But by mistake, he locked the door. So he's on the roof without his phone. And there's no one near where he is. And he's stuck on the roof. He doesn't know what to do. He's so high up, nobody could hear him. He's yelling and screaming. Nobody could hear. He's knocking. No one could hear. He doesn't know what to do. He's stuck on the roof. He could be stuck for days. He looks down. Very far down. He looks in his pocket. He finds some gold coins. He says, okay, let's see. If I get someone's attention. He throws one nice fat gold coin down. Hits a guy straight on the head. Oh, okay. What is that? Looks down. He sees beautiful gold coin worth thousands of dollars. He's ah, stop What luck today? It's my day. He takes the coin, puts it in his pocket, and he goes. The guy is looking. Can't believe it. Takes another gold coin, throws it down, hits a guy in the foot. He goes out. What is that? He looks on the floor. She's a gold coin. Ooh, my lucky day. Gorgeous. Oh, Hashem takes it. He throws all his gold coins down. Each guy says, Baruch Hashem, and goes. He doesn't know what to do. How is he going to get their attention? Finally, he says, you know, let me take a rock. Takes a rock from the roof. Throws it down. Hits a guy in the foot. The guy goes, ouch. Looks on the floor, he's right. He says, who is that? <laughs> looks up. And he finally notices the guy, hello. I'm stuck, help me. Hashem has a system. Sometimes he throws the gold coins. You take the gold coin, oh, great, great, amazing. Did you look up? Did you say, hey, thanks, appreciate it. 
What do you want from me? What do you need? No. And once in a while you get this rock on your head and always say, oh, hello, who's up there? Vaitaber Elohim says Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu, Vaitaber Elohim is Vayomer Ani Hashem. No difference. That's what the Pasuk says in, in Shira Shirim, a beautiful Pasuk. He says, Semolo, says, says um, Shlomo Melech, Semolo, his left hand, that's the, that's the dry leaves, the left hand, is Tahat Leroshi, is under my head. Vimino Tehabekeni, but his right hand, that's the Rahamim, hugs me. So that we understand the right hand is the good. The left hand is the challenging. But look what the left hand is doing. Left hand is holding his head that it shouldn't fall. Before a person falls, Hashem needs to hold him up and figure out a way to him, for him to realize. I end off by telling you, how else did Yosef become successful in life? Is Yosef a man void of problems? Did he have any dry leaves in his life? His brothers are supposed to protect him. Brothers are supposed to advise him. They sell him. He's in the wagon going down to Egypt. He's sold on the slave market. He ends up being a slave. From there, he ends up in jail. He's there for 12 years. You know what he tells his brothers when he meets up with them? Later on, he says, "He says, don't worry about me. You think I'm, you think I'm upset with you? I mean, we would have thought so. Yes. Imagine every day of your life you're miserable because of somebody who did that to you. He says, you think I'm upset with you? He says, look at these words. He says, Lo atem You didn't send me here. Hashem sent me here." And if Hashem sent me here, it's good for me. He wasn't saying that years later. He was saying that all the time. How did Yosef become successful everywhere he went? He is a slave in Potiphar's house. He went from being a prince to a slave. And what does the Pasuk say about him? He was matzliah. He was so successful being a slave. Could you imagine today we have people that used to run these big businesses. They lost their money. They can't get a job. Not because no one will hire them, because they can't see themselves working for somebody after they ran this big company. How could they do that? Imagine Yosef is a prince in Yaakov's house, and now he's a slave. What does the Pasuk say? He was matzliach. He was so successful. He gets thrown in jail. What is he doing? Successful in jail. Successful prisoner. Says Yosef to his brothers, you think if I thought you did this to me, I could be successful? You think if the Oyevim were you, I could have succeeded in the house of Potiphar? You know how I was Matzliah? Because I knew Hashem wanted me right here. And if Hashem wanted me here, He wants me to be Matzliah. However, a slave is Matzliah, that's how I have to be Matzliah. And you think when I got thrown in jail, I blamed it on the wife of Potiphar? Ah, she threw me in jail if not for... No, no, no. Hashem wanted me in jail. So I have to be the best prisoner in the history of mankind. I got to handle it the right way. 
You didn't send me here. You have your own Heshbon with Hashem. That's your problem. You deal with Hashem. But me, everything Hashem is guiding me. Ki oyevecha, you're not my enemy. Hashem is my enemy. He put me in that spot. This is the only way. There is no way a person can let go of the leaves unless he sees that the leaves were sent by the Creator who loves him. When you do that, it turns everything into Ani Hashem. That's why on the night of Pesach, on the night of Pesach, when we eat matzah, matzah is the bread of emunah. When we eat matzah, we lean like free men, like royalty. When we eat maror, the bitter herbs, the bitter times, we don't lean. Of course not. We're remembering the bitterness. But then we make a sandwich. We make a sandwich and has maror inside. Inside the matzah, there's maror. And what do we do? It says, kehilel hazaken. We do like Hillel who ate the sandwich and he leaned. Why are we leaning when we're eating maror? I thought we don't lean with maror. The answer is when you have maror by itself, you can't lean. But if you eat maror with matzah, which is emunah, when the maror comes with emunah, you could even lean on the maror. You could even taste the sweetness of the maror. That's the hidush of Hillel. And it's no accident that Hillel is the famous story when he was coming back from out of town, back to his city, Gemara says that he heard, they heard that there were sounds of cries of desperation. People were screaming, there was a fire, who knows what there was, people are suffering. And the, and the Gemara says that when Elil heard that, he says, that's not coming from my house. And the Gemara says, ah, look at the bitahan of this man. One was bitahon, and it wasn't in his house. Sounds like if you have bitahon, it's not you, it won't be you. But that's not bitahon. Bitahon means you accept what Hashem does. You know it's from Him. You don't, you don't tell Hashem what to do. What kind of thing is that? I know it's not me. How do you know it's not you? But the Behiyah explains beautifully. It's not what it means. He's not saying that that couldn't happen to me because I have bitahon. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that in my house, they would never cry like that. In my house, they would never scream like that. If something really happened in my house, God forbid, that would not be the reaction. And if they're screaming, it's not my house. Because my house has bitahon. My house has a certain attitude to oyavim. It's not that. It's a different kind of attitude. This is the idea that we need to connect to when we speak about Ayin Tova towards Hashem. Ayin Tova means focusing on the good on a lower level, just focusing on the good and not on the bad. But on a higher level, it means there is no bad. Gamzu Latova. That's also good. You need to have Kavzechut to the Creator who made us and realize there's something good in it. And whatever it is you have to do is your job. If a person would do that, Shlomo HaMelech says, Tov ayin hu yevorach. You will be a blessed person, full of simha, full of menuhat nefesh and full of great success in all that you do. Baruch Amen Amen.